since uh, Venerable Mahatera Tenjokun Panyananda uh, died a few days ago, and he was uh, one of our inspiring teachers and supporters. Uh, we can dedicate this retreat to him, kind of expression of gratitude and respect. So the picture on the shrine was taken by Ajahn Panyasaro last May and I went to see him at Wat Cholapatan. So this is uh, for most of you who never knew him this is a perception or you might have seen him here on the uh, opening of the temple in July 4th, 1999. Or you might have visited him in his uh, monastery in Bangkok. But now this is a memory. Recognize that we have a photo, uh, which is another form of memory. And then and I have a lot of memories because I've known him for many years. And of course, the more you're associated with him and, or not, then of course you have more like, kind of feelings arise. So it's noticing the way it is, observing, being the witness, it's like this. It's not trying to wipe out feeling in any way, but being aware of feeling. Or if there, is, if you don't feel anything or don't care, it's like this. Or you feel indifferent or grief-stricken or sad or whatever. Not the quality of the feeling, but the reflecting on it. It is anicca, dukkha, anatta. It's like this. Now when I'm doing this, then... Uh, Sound of silence is resonating so that it gives perspective. Perspective gives me perspective on this memory of Tanjakun Panyananda. If I don't recognize this sound of silence, I merely go to the feeling. Then, uh, then the mind tends to get caught up in the feeling of it, you know, of this and that, and he did this, he said that, he was like this, and, uh, and on and on like that, in just a, being stuck with the, maybe the, the sadness or the grief of it. But when we can let go of the perception, it doesn't mean... Uh, uh, repressing it, but accepting it, recognizing it, but our refuge is in the sound of silence rather than than uh, just being caught into the mood or the feeling or emotional or the indifference or the or whatever kind of uh, mental state you're experiencing now. I've trained myself over many years with this 
just like uh, the perception of Amravati, the monastery. Now this, this is, uh, you know, just take that perception, this thing, Amravati, and observe how that perception affects, what kind of feeling does it bring up? Just observe. So what I'm doing is watching, just seeing how they say Amravati, and then it's, because now that word is associated with this monastery. I don't think of Amravati in, in India, I'm thinking, when, when we think of, when I think of, when I think of this place. Now that, then the sound of silence is in the resonating also. So when I think of Amravati, without the sound of silence, then I do, I can create uh, problems around. People coming and going, monks, nuns, ordaining, disrobing, complaining, uh, personal difficulties, discontentments misunderstandings, uh, all the kind of complexities of community life, of the legal, uh, the laws, the, all the rest, you know, it goes into an uh, infinite complexity of cares and worries and personalities and ideas and memories. Or if you, you know, maybe you, you have, you know, Amravati is a place you, you, you know, you feel inspired by and love is like this. Or if you feel responsible for it or, you know, you feel confused by it or whatever, it's like this. And so that's, that's noting the, the, how this, this one word which is a memory, isn't that? It's a word is a memory, a perception, and it and it affects a feeling, or brings up a certain mood. Now, if you say Amravati to somebody that hasn't a clue of what it is, it's meaningless. So, just this is reflecting on the power of words and perceptions, how they do affect uh, consciousness. Or like the words nuns and monks, and then, and then this, then we have a certain emotional reaction just to thinking the thought of those the words as they enter consciousness is like this. Now, in the reference to the sound of silence, this is the background for all that. Now, if I'm, if I don't, if I don't have this this refuge outside these perceptions, then then I'm stuck in the, what is called samsara, just the vortex, the the movement of one condition going on to another. So some emotion is triggered off, and then it it has its karmic uh, reaction. So you know, you love, hate, like, dislike, inspired angry feelings of personal feelings, personal views, attitudes, uh, 
tragedies and so forth arise. And so we're caught in this whirlpool, whirlpool of samsara. <clears throat> this is the samsara. And, and uh, samsara means that in these cycles, they just go round and around. There's no way out of samsara unless you're mindful of it. So just by trying to struggle in the samsara, there's no way you're ever going to get out of it. You just go around in it. You're stuck in it. It's the endless cycles of rebirth. It's avicca bhajaya sankara, sankara bhajaya vinyana. So, you know, as long as there's avicca, there's not understanding, there's ignorance of reality, then everything that we do and think is going to end up as Dukkha or Soka Pariteva Tukka Tomanasa Upayasa, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. So, like in the Paticca Samupada, this is the, you know, Avicca Bhajaya Sankhara, this is the Avicca, not understanding the Four Noble Truths, in other words, having no insight, no reference to that, to uh, uh, the Eightfold Path or the Majjhima Bhattibhata, or Sound of Silence, then you are caught in a struggle and uh, of love-hate, like dislike, inspired, depressed, and on and on like this. He just goes round and around. I guarantee it. This happens in anything you do in life, whether it's monastic or lay life or married life or whatever it's, uh, it will, this is the, the way it is. Sangsara is like this. So you can't get out of Sangsara by trying on a personal level. You know, that's the way you're trying to get rid of your anger and greed and trying to m make yourself into something better. Because you're you're just moving with the conditions, you you have no perspective on them. Admittedly, you know, positive thinking makes you happier, and if you're more optimistic and and forgiving and kind and generous, this will make life in samsara a much more pleasant experience than if you're one who's always obsessed with what's wrong and grumbling, complaining, discontented, blaming the world around you. But what the Buddha is pointing to is, uh, is the, this deathless reality. Amatta or Amaravati actually means deathless realm. So that's not, you know, when you try to think about Amravati or the deathless or Nibbana, you're still in the samsara, you know, you get caught up in, in complicating it or making it into something it's not. So it's not to be defined but to be recognized, it's real. And that reality then is through awareness. And this awareness then is the, is the samaditi or the uh, middle way, right understanding. 
No, like in training myself in this, remembering this over, you know, the years. Because in uh, a lot of, uh, you know, investment in this life, in uh, this monastery, this place, Sangha life, Buddhist monasticism. So it could be, you know, just on a level of conditioned phenomena, uh, it, it's not transcending anything. One can make endless problems about monasticism or anything at all, whatever, you know, because that's the nature of samsara. It's problematic. It's restless. It's changing. It's unstable. It's unsatisfactory. That's its nature. And then wanting it to be stable and satisfactory is, you know, an impossible wish. Wanting something to be something that can never be is a form of ignorance, isn't it? A vicha. So the aim of like, like the holy life in in this tradition is, uh, you know, the the alms mendicant life, depending on alms, on on kindness from others. My life depends on the kindness of others, and that's not to be taken as uh, in in uh, you know some kind of personal way. It's a reflective, it's a reflection. I am, you know, dependent now on the goodwill of other people in a kind of, where I'm emphasizing me as some dependent creature. But it is a reflect, it's a reflection. That's a dhamma, you know, it's it's not meant to be taken as some, I have to be grateful for, for, uh, the kind of what people offer and things like this. It's not, it's not a position to enforce the, the sakya ditti. It's merely a, a reflective statement that our life is supported by other people, the good goodness, kindness from others. I'm no longer free to just, just uh, do my own thing according to what I want, you know, and go my own way. If I had, if I was independently wealthy, I wouldn't. You know, I could just follow my own desires. Don't want to be dependent on other people. So there's a certain kind of willingness to give up that right to be independent when you become a samana. Where, you know, independent, financially independent, you know, is not being a, a, a samana. It's, you have to have your own uh, wealth. And then you can do and say what you want. But, but this is like giving up that right of independence to be dependent on the goodness and kindness of other human beings. So this is to remind oneself. This is this is the point of it. It's not, this life isn't for self uh, 
you know, trying to make myself into somebody or become something or get something out of it for myself or, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a worldly condition. It's not meant to be, promote the ego or, or uh, uh, the ditti. It's not meant to be Silabhata Bharamasa. It's a expedient means to live in this, in this, in these forms, in this human realm, in this sense realm, and learn what we need to learn from it, and be liberated through, not through making it, changing it according to what we want, but recognizing, discerning knowing the difference between the deathless and the death. So it's, you know, the idea of the, the Buddha, obviously, you know, this is an institution that's lasted 2,550 years on alms mendicancy. It's always rather impressed me in a way because, you know, one, my uh, cultural conditioning would you know, would, uh, wouldn't think it could last very long, or just an is, you know, a monastic institution based on alms. But then, you know, this is, uh, you can see here in, in uh, England, um, the kind of support this place gets. Goodness brings out generosity in others, doesn't it? It brings out the, the, these good qualities from the people around. So this is like, you know, beginning to appreciate uh, the goodness of humanity is, a, is quite a, an important reflection at this time where we're so much aware of the selfishness, the greediness, the corruption of uh, human beings. This is news, you know, how the scandals and the, all the terrible things that are happening in the world are become, uh, you know, headlines in newspapers or problems, you know, international problems, crises. And we can totally forget that our true nature, that this, this is appealing to our true nature, that of love, Loving-kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity. But this is not personal. You can't claim I'm a joyful, compassionate person. Because when I look at my personality, it's, it has aspirations and, and longings to be that. But the personality is a condition created out of ignorance, so it's not to be trusted. I don't trust my own personal views and thoughts and feelings. They are what they are. I can see them in terms of, you know, sankaras. They are changing. Some are good, bad. They have qualities, wise, stupid, generous, selfish, But that ability to reflect on conditions is not a condition. You know, so one condition can't reflect on another condition. 
So you, your your refuge is in the unconditioned, and that, of course, is can only be the awareness in the present. Sati sampatanya, sati panya. So you know, people ask, you know, what about you know, is the desire for nibbana? Uh, is that still desire, isn't it? It's still dhanha, desire to reach nibbana. Well, it can be if you know if it's taken from uh, out of you know personal. I want to become enlightened person. That kind of. But I would give you all, every single one of you, the benefit of the doubt. It's a. It's a natural movement of human beings. It's the returning home. Isn't it? The, it's an aspiration, but not, not like a desire of coming from ignorance. It's a movement that's natural to us toward freedom, toward liberation, toward the deathless. So it's not dunha in the sense that, it, you know, out of ignorance, I want... Uh, I'm fed up with being this screwed up person and I want to become really, you know, a great arahant or a bodhisattva or, uh, you know, something much better than, than what I am as a person. Because, you know, on a personal level, I could, you know, my personal view of being an arahant, that would be great, you know. I'm an arahant. But that still isn't isn't the way, isn't it, to go and trying to make yourself into an arhat. Your personality is never going to ever get enlightened. You know, these these are these are conditions. So it has to get beyond the personality, you know, this and this reference then, this awakened attention Zati Sambhatanya. Now, when I'm doing this, then uh, I know that the sound of silence resonates, and I trust this. You know, this is this this is non-suffering. Then, when I when I forget this, then I I do I feel this this, this kind of restlessness, dis-ease. Because there's always in the samsara something it's changing, and and always, even at its best is still changing in a way, kind of, how can you control it, make it go the way that I want it to, make me feel secure as a person? What is it that, that I need to feel secure as a person? You know, I need nurturing and love and respect. I need your respect. I demand that you respect me because I, I personally feel more secure when I feel that I am properly respected, and so then I make, you know, I go on like this. I hear some of you talking like that, and then, uh, you know, and when I'm disrespected, I just fall apart. You know, just can't take it. My happiness and security depends on being loved and nurtured and respected and appreciated, and so that's the demand I make on the world. Well, you're set up for a life of unmitigated misery. If that's what, you know, if that's where you're at. 
if you can't see it. So my, my personality is like that too. As a person, you know, as a person, I need to be appreciated. And and I personally, you know, when you don't appreciate me, and that I feel hurt, and I just want to, oh, dedicate my life to supporting the Sangha, and all the thanks I get is just a lot of criticism and ingratitude. And then I complain. My personality is like that, I'll admit it, you know. I want to be appreciated, and I don't like to be, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I feel ingratitude is, is, um, I feel really hurt by ingratitude. So my personality, if I, if that's my refuge, my personal habits and feelings and thoughts, then I am, you know, very dependent on controlling things. And then there's, when I'm controlling, then I'm always frightened if I lose control. When you're getting old like this, you know, there's more, you feel more or less in control. You see all these young whippersnappers coming up, they, they get, can knock off the old man, you know. What if I go loopy? What if I get Alzheimer's disease? Dementia. What are you going to do with me? So, so that this, um, this is uh, the personal. Now, and I don't trust that personal thing. I, I recognize it, and some of it have got good personal qualities and not very good ones. But that's not the point, is it? The refuge is in the awareness, and this awareness of Sakya Ditti, Sita Bhattabharamasa Vichikicha. That's what I trust, because over years of meditation, I've found, I've test, put it to the test. I can, I can create suffering about anything and everything. <laughs> but I don't, I know I don't have, I don't, I, there's no point in it. Why, why create worry or, you know, get caught in this feeling, restless feelings and grumpiness and anxiety and so forth, when I know better. So in this, this way, you know, you, you see yourself moving into this stage of worry or anxiety or dissatisfaction, restless feelings. And then that attention is like this, and then the sound of silence resting in this. Noticing this is, this is real, but the sense of, uh, of, you know, of being stuck into these conditions, into emotions, into feelings, falls away, it'll, it'll drop away. It's like letting go. Ah, uh, Pahadapandi, as we say. 
you should let go of these desires. Because all they think are is, is about desire, attachment to desire. Now letting go of desire then, you're realizing your true nature, the deathless. Purity is this. It's unconditioned love. But it's not personal and it's not uh, conditioned, you know, depending on other conditions. Because this is, this is, this is uh, timeless. Where samsara is all about time, birth and death, the rising and ceasing. So it's like, like this insight, this, this insight knowledge where you, you discern the difference. And then it's obvious. The refuge is in the deathless, not in the conditioned realm. Because, you, you know, you prove it to yourself. You see, when I take refuge in monasteries, in friends, in uh, conventions, in Buddhism, in my position and all that. You know, no matter how good it is or that, it's still, there's something, something incomplete still. You know, even, you know, being the head monk, you might think, well, Ajahn Sumedha, he's, you know, he's, head, <laughs> and I'm only an insignificant on a gurry car. <laughs> and that, and still, one can be, you know, if one doesn't have this perspective, you can be Sangharaja of Thailand and still be utterly miserable. I mean, it is not about getting to the top. It's about transcending, about recognizing, realizing the true nature of our being that is not about personal position. or personality, or convention. And so this discerning is, you know, you see the, the discern, suffering is like this. If I attach to my sakyaditi, the sense of myself, my ego and personality, then I, then I'm pulled into that realm again. I easily fall back into the habits of, that I have, uh, uh, my karmic tendencies, my habit patterns. But then discerning that it's suffering, dukkha, the first noble truth, then recognizing that I'm, you know, attached out of ignorance again, so letting go. Now letting go then is awakened attention to the dukkha, in which you're you're not suppressing it, but you're not attaching to it. And then, uh, then this affirming, recognizing, this is it, this, this awareness. This is the deathless, here and now. Santitiko, akaliko, ehipasiko, upanayiko, bhajatang, vetidapo, vinyuhi. Apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation to be experienced individually by the wise. And the perfectly enlightened one, the refuge in Buddha, 
the blessed, the perfectly enlightened one, and the supatipano, one who practices in the right way, who lives in a with discernment, with wisdom, where compassion manifests, joy can manifest through these individual forms, not personal character tendencies. So this, this, uh, you know, this become, this will, if you pursue this, if you're endlessly trying to straighten out the Sangha and make everything uh, the way you think it should be, you're missing the point of this life because, uh, you know, it's like this right now. It may not be what it should be according to an ideal, but it's like this. How I feel about Amravati or the Sangha is like this. And so when I do this, then I can, you know, I can... I'm resting in awareness of that perception, of what that perception brings up, this feeling. Now do I want to hold on to the feeling and get carried away by that, or to transcend that, let it go, let go of the feeling, not, not suppress it, but no longer hold on to it. Then this is what, this is the whole point of the holy life, you know, what we're about. We're not trying to create a utopian society or, you know, a Garden of Eden or paradise. So, you know, like we are the owners of our karma, heir to our karma, born of our karma, and so forth. This this reflection, we each one of us has, you know, are the way we are on a personal level. We have these different karmic tendencies, you know. So that, but it's not meant to be taken in a personal way. It's like this awareness of feeling, of emotional reaction, of habit tendencies of emotional patterns is not a critical one in the, the comparing of an ideal person how they would feel and then feeling critical of yourself because you you're far from that uh, level of uh, perfection but you know this Buddha knowing Dhamma you're seeing that that the Vipaka Kama the present condition that you're experiencing is like this. So it's, you're not claiming it as my karma, but, um, you know, some, you know, judging it with some, with your critical mind, but recognizing it. It is what it is. And that which recognizes is non-personal. It's Buddha, Buddha knowing Dhamma. Pure awareness of reality, of the real. 
where I am the owner of my karma, it can make it sound very personal, you know, I can't help the way I am because of my karma, and, and on and on like this, we we can justify everything and and create a strong sense of, well, you know, I, my karma is such, and and that's not what it's meant to be. Don't, you know, that's not the, that's not a reflection. That's merely an, you know, taking those words and and grasping them without reflecting on what you're doing. So when we reflect on that, I am the owner of my karma, my heir to my karma, is not not to be grasped in a personal way. It's a reflection. And right now, this feeling I, that I'm experiencing, this is a vipaka, or the resultant karma. It just doesn't come out of nowhere. It's a result of conditions and habits, tendencies, inherited through ancestry or bloodlines or just through social conditioning or whatever. It's like this through our actions of the past, through our memories. So I know that if I, you know, if I follow, if I act, if I have, you know, feel hatred and anger right now and then I act on it, I know better. Because then I, you know, when I start acting, for getting caught up with hating and being angry, then I say things and do things that I re that affect others and so I create more confusion and mem bad memories and it just you know just perpetuates itself so there's more vipaka coming you know you just kind of stuck in these in these ruts of habit but with mindfulness then this is the your your vipaka kamma then arises and it ceases. You're allowing things to move according to, without creating rebirth with them. You're not, you're not creating and, you know, so uh, making it, uh, you either, you know, your bhakakama will increase if you don't use mindfulness. If you don't recognize and value and cultivate awareness. So these are these are just you know ways of speaking and talking, reflecting. They're not not to be seen. You know, they're they're ways of looking at at experience here and now. So I'm not you know you know and don't act on you know I think of 41 years as a monk. You know I feel grateful for all the karma I haven't committed on skillful karma. You know, if I hadn't been a monk, I probably would have done a lot more, on a little, much, much more unskillful life. With my character tendencies, anyway, I could see how... <laughs> uh, you know, it's only speculation now. I mean, the result of... Uh, these years as been monastic life is I haven't done a lot of things that I would have probably done if I hadn't been. So I'm kind of grateful for that. You know, I feel a sense of uh, gratitude. 
But then even in monastic life, we do stupid things. And that's, I mean, it's not that, I, you know, I've just, as soon as I ordained, I was turned into a saint and never made a mistake. But at least the, the karmic, the pocket karma is much, <laughs> isn't, isn't all, isn't very heavy. And so it, it's easier to keep it in perspective. The, uh, you know, the, not thrown about with a lot of guilt and remorse about one's life. But the, uh, and then this, then this uh, practice of meditation allows us to free ourselves from samsara. Just by discerning it, not by annihilating it, still you know, conditions and sankaras operate just like like they do when you're ignorant. But there's a knowing of them. There's an understanding where before it wasn't. There was no understanding. It was merely, you know, being caught and overwhelmed by the condition by the sangsaric conditions. So this is a priority for this life. You see, you know, this is the aim of the holy life. This is its purpose, is to realize Nibbana, recognize the deathless. 